0: You are listening to the Mile Straight Podcast. For more information on Mile Straight or to watch a video version of this podcast, visit www.milestraitbc.org. The speaker for today is our senior pastor, Tom Goss. About uh, three weeks ago now, I was reading a post on Facebook by Alan Rogers, who's pastor New Salem Baptist Church uh, over in the Dallas Bay area. And uh, his, his post made a big impact on me. It was a paragraph that was well-written, that was well-directed, exactly to where I needed it to be. It caused me to start studying a little bit more about the matter, and uh, as a result, our study today emerges from that. So I want to say thank you to Alan. Hopefully, he'll get the word that uh, I have swiped his thoughts and... Uh, I'm using those today. We're talking about the matter of prayer. Uh, but please understand, we're not talking about just any prayer. You may say, well, Tom, isn't prayer, prayer. I mean, isn't all prayer equal? The truth is, it's, it probably should be, but it's probably not. I mean, you think about it. When I go home today, this afternoon... Um, actually, we'll be stopping back in the gym for, for lunch with the youth group. And we'll pray for our food. And, and quite honestly, as well-intentioned and as sincere as that prayer will be, it probably won't be on the same level as a prayer I pray when I find out that someone in my family is seriously ill. You know, I mean, it ought to be on the same level. We're talking to God. I mean, this is such, a, such an honor to get to come into His presence. Every prayer ought to be filled with excitement and enthusiasm because we're coming to God. And yet, the truth is, all prayer is not the same. And so, we're not talking about just any prayer here. In fact, we're talking about a prayer that was prayed some 2,000 years ago. You may say to that, well... Of what significance and importance does a prayer that was prayed 2,000 years ago have on my life today? The truth is that this is a prayer that has such significance and importance for you and for me because it is a prayer that was specifically prayed for you and for me. To that, I can hear your thoughts. You mean to tell me? That someone, 2,000 years ago, plus or minus, somehow knew that I was going to live 2,000 years later. I mean, I can only think of one person that would fit that bill, and you're right. There is only one person who could possibly know about our existence 2,000 years later, and that is God. It may interest you to find that what we're studying today is a prayer prayed by God that was prayed for you and for me. Now there is a qualification here. It's not just across the board prayed for everybody. You may be saying, oh I knew it. But the truth is Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man while on earth, prayed this prayer for everyone who is part of the family of God. Everyone who would come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Everyone who would believe in Him based upon the the word and the expressions given to us from the disciples. Which, by the way, was given to us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So then we have this prayer, which is not on the same level as our thank you Lord for the food, amen type prayer. It's not on the same level of just anybody that speaks it, but it's God. God praying for us. Now that to me is an amazing concept, that God would pray for me. It's an amazing concept because of the fact that God knows me. I'm ashamed to say God knows me. He knows my past. He knows my present. He knows what's happening right now. And He even knows what's going to happen in my future. And as God who knows me, God knows everything about me, the beginning and the end, everything in the middle. And He knows how my life is supposed to fit into this this incredible, eternal picture and puzzle that God has laid out. He knows exactly how the puzzle piece of my life is going to fit into that. And therefore he prayed for me based upon that knowledge and it makes me feel incredibly special to think that God would pray for me we're talking about John chapter 17 and you may read through this particular prayer we're we're only gonna deal with the small portion of the prayer but you may read through it and say, well, wait a minute, Tom, that's talking to the disciples, right? I mean, I mean, he's, he's praying for the disciples here. It, that is true. He's praying for the disciples. But then we come to verse 20, which is not part of our text. It's not really part of our study, but I think it needs to be read. It needs to be understood. Verse 20, he says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone. I do not pray this for the disciples alone. But then he goes on to say, but for those Also who believe in me through their word. Okay. So then the expansion as the word of God went forth to the disciples. Was then passed on to the next generation. The next generation. The next generation. Right on down the line until 2,000 years later it comes to us. We get the understanding and we get the knowledge that God prayed for us. Now what in the world... Would he pray for us? I mean, what would he say? What would come out of of a prayer for us from the lips of God? There are three things I want to show you that come out of this prayer. Number one, he prayed that we would be protected. Jesus Christ prayed that we would be protected and specifically protected from the evil one. He prayed that we would be protected from the evil one, from the great enemy of God, the enemy of man, from the devil himself. God prayed that we would be protected from the one who walks about like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. God prayed that we would be protected from the one who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. God prayed for our protection from that one, the evil one. Notice, if you will, the first two verses on your sheet. Verses 14 and 15 of John 17. Jesus, in his prayer, added this. He said, I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. That you should keep them from evil. The evil one. Okay, so he shows us that there is this very specific opposition that's taking place. There is the evil one and the world that follows him in opposition to Jesus Christ and those who follow him. Okay, so there's this emerging battle that, that's visible to us now. This, this hatred between the world and those who follow Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ lays it out for us very clearly that you're not part of the world. You're not part of this system. You're not supporting the evil one. And therefore, those who follow the evil one, those who would, who would choose to be on his side, would be very much in opposition to us. Jesus Christ came into the world to present the Father. He did not come to establish or to strengthen That which the enemy was trying to do in the world. And as a result, the world hated him. They hated him to the degree that they would crucify him. Jesus said, now I've given you my word. I've given you the word of God. I've brought the word. I am the word. And I have passed that on to you. And therefore, you can expect the world to hate you as well. And the world did hate the disciples, didn't it? Every one of them, with the exception of John, died a martyr's death every one of them. John, they tried to martyr, boiled him in oil. Uh, then when he wouldn't die in that particular torture, they then exiled him to the Isle of Patmos where he worked in a rock mine in his <clears throat> excuse me, in his 80s and 90s. Can you imagine? And for everyone that the word of God has passed on through the generations, we have also come under the hatred of the evil one. He wants to stop us. He wants to eliminate us. He wants to push us out of the way. He wants to prevent us from achieving the ultimate goal of glorifying God. And therefore, he will do whatever he can to accomplish that. And so, Jesus, understanding the significance of the power of the evil one, prayed, God protect them from the evil one. Protect them from what is to come protect them from that which he would try to do in their lives Jesus said preserve them from that the second thing we see then not only did Jesus say and pray that we would be protected Jesus then prayed that we would be sanctified. Number two, Jesus prayed that we would be sanctified to reflect His character. Jesus prayed that we would be sanctified so that in turn we could reflect the character of Christ in this world. Verses 16 and 17 tell us this. They, meaning those who would follow Christ, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So the previous prayer, Jesus prayed, I don't want you to take them out of the world. To me, that would be the obvious prayer, right? Okay, so they've gotten... The, this relationship with Christ, they come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They're part of the family of God. And we know that the evil one is out to destroy them, to take them, and, and, and bring destruction into their life. So then the best thing to pray from a human perspective is, Okay, they're part of my family now, so, so just take them out. Just, just move them on to the next phase. Move them on to eternity. Jesus said, no, I'm not praying that you'll be removed from the world, but I'm praying that you will be protected in the world and sanctified in the world because there is still a job to be done. Still a job to be done. Jesus came to do a work. He came to do a job. He came to fulfill the will of the Father. And He left us behind to accomplish the same thing. He prayed that we would be separated from what is common, separated from what is worldly, separated from what is temporary to do that which is uncommon, that which is permanent, that which is eternal, that which is supernatural. Jesus prayed that we would be sanctified, that we would be strengthened, that we would be matured to accomplish that which he had called us to do. The reason he wanted God to protect us was so that we could complete a task. And he said, I want you to set them apart so that they can fulfill their purpose here on earth. Jesus prayed that we would accomplish the task. Sometimes I'm so concerned about us because we look at the things that we have to do. We have these little assigned jobs that God has given to us. We have these, these little things that we consider in our mind to be trivial, to be menial, to be, to be superficial. They're, they're, they're unimportant things, you know. Maybe for you, you would say, well, I'm just, I'm just teaching a small group of children. You know, it's really not that big of a deal. Or, or I'm just standing at the door welcoming people when they come in. Or, or I'm just, all I do is sing in the choir or, or work in the nursery. And, and we may have 10 babies one week and we may have one the next week. You just never know. But that's all I do. I just work in the nursery. And, or, or maybe you'd say, all I do is stay at home and take care of my kids or my grandkids And we view these things as being so insignificant. And yet as we begin to look at it a little deeper, what we begin to understand is that this is what God has called us to do. That God has separated us for the purpose of serving Him through these little tasks so that we can accomplish the great goal of bringing Him glory. And how does that happen in these little tasks, in these little things? We're teaching a group of children to love Jesus. We're teaching a group of children to love Him with all their hearts, to know about Him, to understand Him. We're raising them to love Christ. We're standing at the door making people feel welcome. When our guests come in, you know they're already a little bit insecure about things. They don't really know where to go. They don't know what to do. And so we've got someone who's standing there with a a welcoming face. And when we come in our auditorium and we turn around and we greet them and we make them feel welcome, we let them know that we're glad they're here. Then we're making them be a little bit more comfortable so that the message of Christ can get across. And when you work in the nurseries, you, you are taking care of children so parents can sit out here without having to, to be interrupted and out having to be frustrated over children being children. You sing in the choir. You take care of your kids, your grandkids. We should never look at these things as menial or trivial. Because this is a work that the Almighty God has given us to do. It's so important that Christ said, I want you to protect them from the evil one, so that they can accomplish these things. I want you to protect them from what He will try to do to destroy them, to prevent them from pouring into the children, to prevent them from leading in worship. Never look at your task as being insignificant because God has given us a responsibility. Which, by the way, maybe it ought to also come out here that we need to get to the place where we stop making excuses for not completing those tasks. Maybe it needs to come out that that we need to stop making excuses for why we aren't involved. You know, there's so much that God has for us to do through Miles Straight. There's so much that He's given us to accomplish. There's so much that we need to do to make a significant impact on those who are here and those who are in our community and around the world through our missionaries. There's so much that maybe we need to stop making excuses and stop saying, but Tom, you don't know how hard it is for me. It's hard for me to get involved. It's hard for me to step out and... And do things with people that I don't really know. It's hard for me to, to, to make a difference in these areas because I'm, I'm kind of shy and I'm kind of backward in things. The truth of the matter is the Almighty God has set you apart. Has sanctified you for work that He has established for you to complete So that we can fulfill the ultimate goal of giving Him glory in our lives. And there is no excuse why we're not fulfilling it. No excuse. We must be active. We must be involved. The first Sunday of November, we're going to present to you that which is coming. Let me just say it that way. Something that's coming that is going to be so exciting... And is going to require a lot of involvement. A lot of involvement. You may say, well, Tom, I just really hadn't had a chance to get involved. Or I tried one time and I I was kind of snubbed by somebody for whatever reason. I can't imagine that ever happening. But I know that it does happen in an organization this big. And I apologize for that. But if that's your situation, let me tell you something. Your opportunity is coming. Your opportunity is coming. I am so excited about what's on the horizon at Miles Straight. Honestly, it's hard for me right now to keep from just spilling it. But we're not ready to spill it just yet. We've still got some things we've got to work out, some details that we've got to be taken care of. And so you just be praying for us as we work out those details. You pray for that first Sunday in November that God will show us clearly the way He wants us to do it and that we will step in as a church for full force to make an impact on our community for Jesus Christ like we've never done before. Would you be praying that, please? And so Jesus prayed, I want them to be sanctified. And you say, well, how is this sanctification process take place? It's a growing, it's a maturing, it's, a, it's, a, it's becoming holy even as Christ is holy. How does that happen? It happens through the Word of God. He tells us, sanctify them by your truth. Your Word is truth. This maturing, this developing is through the Word of God. It points us once again very clearly to the fact that we must make the Word of God a priority in our lives. God has not called us to come into the world and be defeated by the evil one. He's called us to come in and be victorious. And you may say, but Tom, I'm not victorious. I just got to be honest with you, it's not working. Not working. And let me ask you a question, and I wish you would answer. I wish everyone here would answer this question. What kind of priority are you putting on God's Word in your life? What kind of priority are you putting on God's Word in your life? You may have the answer right there as to why you're not victorious. Because it is the Word of God that prepares us, equips us, strengthens us, grows us, matures us, develops us for that which God has called us to do. We must make the Word of God a priority. So Jesus prayed. He said, protect them from the evil one. Sanctify them to, to show forth my character in this world. And then number three. Number three, He said, I'm praying that they'll be sent. That they'll go do what I've called them to do. Okay, so here's the setup. I want you to protect them so they can do the job. I want you to set them apart, sanctify them, mature them so that they're able to do the job. And then I want you to encourage them to go do the job. Send them out. Send them out. Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Jesus came into the world As God directed him, he did not initiate this himself. It was the work of God in his life, sending him to do a very specific job, to fulfill the will of the one who sent him. He came to do that which God intended him to do. And then in turn, he says, now I am going to give you a very similar sending. I'm going to give you a very similar responsibility, that you are to go and do the same. I came... To represent the Father. To present the Father to the world. We saw that in our study of John chapter 1. Jesus said, now I'm sending you out to represent me. I'm sending you out to introduce me to the world around you. And why is that so important? Why is that so significant? Because Jesus is the only way to eternal life. Jesus is the only way through a relationship with the Father through forgiveness and through His sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. Jesus is the only way for that to take place. And so we have a responsibility. Christ's responsibility here on the earth was, was so important to fulfill the plan of God. And now God, for whatever reason, chooses to use us in His church, the church of Christ. He chooses us... He chooses, rather, to use us to make a difference, to make an impact in our church, in our community, in our world. God chooses to use us for whatever reason. I can't understand why He would want to use people like us, people like me. And yet He does to make a difference, to make an impact, to complete or carry forward His plan in our lives. And He's calling us to do these little tasks, So that in turn we can complete the big picture of presenting people to Jesus Christ. We do the little things which mount up and give God glory along the way to bring to the big picture the ultimate goal of giving God glory as we see the church of Jesus Christ expanding. As we see people coming to know the Savior. As we see people giving their lives to Jesus Christ. God's called us to make a difference. God's called us to be bold in our witness, to share Jesus Christ without shame. So Jesus prayed, I pray that you protect them from the evil one. He's going to try to stop what I've called them and sent them to do. And I pray that you'll sanctify them. You'll equip them. You'll mature them. You'll prepare them. And I pray that then you'll send them out. You'll, you'll send them forward. That they'll do what they've been called to do. And that, Father, as a result, you will receive glory. God has given us a responsibility. We cannot take our responsibility lightly. We must understand the significance of the task. And we must move forward as a church. We must move forward as one unified body to accomplish that which God has called us to do. So that's our mission that's the task that's the calling I wonder how are you doing and what God has called you to do are you involved are you serving are you reaching out Are you inviting people to the Savior? Are you inviting people to the service? God is looking for us to do much more than we're doing. It's time, because I believe time is running out, it's time that we get serious about this.